Hi, everybody. Nice to see you. It's great to be here again. This is my second time speaking here at Hazelmere. And, uh, you know, when John said to us earlier, let's just have a quiet moment and see what the Lord is saying to us. I just felt the Lord saying to me, the living water is still here. You know, this uh, church started off and it was called Living Waters Fellowship. And um, it started off in Hazelmere. And the living water is still here. And I felt the Lord saying, just be aware of that and, and dig. And you'll find that the living water is still here. And that living water gives life. And I want to talk a bit about life today. And I'm going to do it from a passage from John's Gospel, chapter 11. I'm not going to read the whole account of Jesus' raising of Lazarus from the dead, but for those of you who don't know the background, Lazarus had two sisters called Martha and Mary, and Lazarus got very ill. They were friends of Jesus, and Martha and Mary called for Jesus to come. And Jesus delayed somewhat, and when he arrived, Lazarus had already died, but Jesus, of course, was able to raise him back to life. So I just want to read a part of that from verse 17 to verse 27, and then I want to hone in on the verse 25 and 26. So let's have a read of it where John writes, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Martha stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection And the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. I guess most of us uh, enjoy music in some shape or form. I've heard it said that um, we often revisit the songs of our youth, and the songs that kind of shaped our thinking when we were young, we still listen to it. I don't know if it's true of you. Yes? Okay. (laughs) One of you, anyway. It's certainly true of me. And uh, one of the styles of music that I'm not into, to be honest, is opera. And apologies to those who are into opera here, but uh, one of the reasons, I, I don't understand what they're singing for a start, and the stories I don't find particularly interesting, particularly those based around Nordic myths, although I do admit that the, the, so the Ride of the Valkyries is a very powerful piece of music. Having said that, though, I've been to the opera a number of times. been to the opera at the Royal Opera House in London. And the reason I went there was because it was to do with school and a Japanese car manufacturer was giving tickets for schools to be able to go there. So I went. And to be quite honest, I don't remember much about what I saw. But I do remember one scene from one opera. And the opera was, I think it was Beethoven's only opera. Is that right? Yeah, he wrote one opera called Fidelio. And uh, I couldn't remember, when I was preparing this, I couldn't remember the whole story. But for some strange reason... 
one episode of the opera came to my mind. And it was just pictures. It was like a courtyard scene. A large courtyard. And around the courtyard, there were prison cells. And someone came along and opened up all the cells. These were dark, dungeon-like cells. And very, very slowly, the prisoners, dressed in rags, emerged from their cells. And as they did, they sang a song. And it was very powerful to sit and watch that. And the song, as they sang, they sang in freier Luft. They sang, oh, what joy, in the open air, freely to breathe again. And I thought how that reminded me of freedom, of new life, of resurrection. As they emerged from the gloom of their dungeon out into the clean, fresh air and the light. When I became a Christian myself at the age of 20, I received that new life. The resurrection life. And something changed within me, deep in the core of my being. It was the most amazing, transforming, powerful experience of my life. And I've been trying to live it out since that day. Maybe you've experienced something similar. I guess with most of us, though, the journey hasn't been totally smooth. However, today I want to encourage you. First of all, if you haven't experienced the delight of new life from Jesus, you can receive that today. And if you have, I want to encourage you on your journey. And so I want to say three things around this passage. The first is new life is now. The second thing is new life is to come. And the third thing is mind the gap. So new life is now, new life is to come, mind the gap. So the first thing, new life is now. In verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. So Jesus is telling Martha specifically here that he is the answer to her predicament. Her predicament, of course, is Lazarus' death. But on a wider scale, he is the answer to the human predicament. You know, the human predicament is ultimately death. No doubt you've heard it said that there are two things which are inescapable in life, death and taxes. Well, we've seen people trying to avoid paying taxes. As the Panama Papers have recently revealed, people with offshore shell accounts and all that kind of stuff. Well, you may possibly be able to avoid paying taxes. But you surely cannot avoid death. And no amount of anti-aging creams or nip and tuck or hair transplants or trendy diets or fitness programs or vitamin regimes, whatever it might be, is going to avoid death. It's not going to stop it. When mankind first disobeyed God, the consequence was death. And it was twofold. It was a spiritual death, separation, alienation from the very source of life itself, i.e. God, and physical death, getting old, and eventually death comes. Death passed into the human race. And when we read the account of that in the book of Genesis, God prevented mankind from getting back to the tree of life. And mankind was placed under the curse of death and toil. But that's not the end of the story, as we know. Despite the fact that we were cursed, we see Jesus coming, And the Bible tells us he was made a little lower than the angels. And he is cursed as he hangs on a tree. He takes the curse of humanity, in other words, upon himself. He takes death upon himself. Hence him saying to Martha, he who believes in me will live. 
even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. So he's taken that curse of death upon himself. And we sang about that, the conquering death this morning. In the book of Romans, the apostle Paul writes, For if by the trespass of the one man, i.e. Adam, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? So Paul here is talking about there's grace to be had. There's something given that is not earned. Again, we sang about grace today. There was grace yesterday. God's kindness yesterday for you and me. And John encouraged us to think about that. There is grace for you and me today. There is God's favor and his kindness today. Unearned. We haven't done anything to deserve it. We never will. It's unearned. And there will be grace tomorrow. There will be God's kindness. You know, I love that verse where the psalmist says, I believe I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. It's one of my catchphrases, and I keep quoting quoting it to myself. I believe I'll see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And I believe that for today. And I believe that for tomorrow. What have I done to deserve it? Nothing. Jesus has done it for me. Jesus has done it for you. It's unearned. There's an abundant provision of grace. And where is it to be found? Well, certainly not to be found in my virtue or your virtue. It's to be found in the virtue of Christ himself. There's an abundant provision of grace for life. And we're going to see the goodness of the Lord. And we have seen it. And we will continue to see it. Christ is God's greatest gift. And all God's love and kindness are to be found in him. All God's provision for life is to be found in Christ. So Jesus takes the curse upon himself. So that we might be free to enjoy new life. Where we're connected with God. We're no longer spiritually dead. But we're connected with God and we come into life. And Jesus says that life is never going to end. That life is never going to die. You have already passed from death to life. Physically, getting older, yes. Physically, wearing away, yes. Physically, death, yes. But spiritually, no. Spiritually, life and In the age to come, a new body, of course. Jesus takes that curse upon himself. And we have the very life of Christ within us. How amazing is that? Christ in you, the hope of glory. So new life is now. It's eternal. We will live even though we die. Our essential being who we are will never die. We've already passed from death to life. So new life is now, but also new life is to come. I wonder what kind of things uh, you look forward to in your life. Perhaps you've got a holiday coming up and you're looking forward to that. Is that true of anybody here? Yeah, a few. Good. Nice to have a nice holiday to look forward to. Or maybe it's a marriage. You're looking forward to somebody in your family getting married. Or perhaps it's the birth of a child. Anybody looking forward to that? A few, yeah. So, things that we look forward to in life, and it's important to have things to look forward to in life. We sing a song, and perhaps we're going to sing it later, where the words go like this. There is a day that all creation is waiting for. And Paul writes in the book of Romans, the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. 
You know, so there's something to look forward to. In other words, the new life is to come. Yes, it's now. We can enjoy the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. We can enjoy His abundant provision of grace. We know that we have passed from death to life. We know that we have that living water within us that we can draw upon. We know that God is for us. We know that He is faithful. So new life is now. We know that God is supporting us. He will always be with us. But new life is also to come. But we see that the world is in bondage to sin. Darkness appears to be winning. Evil appears to be reigning. And we see many tragic, horrible things going on in the world. Recently, people in a concert hall in Paris, enjoying the music, gunned down in cold blood. Civil war in Syria, where thousands of people are seeking to flee the terrible things that are going on there. Children compelled to be child soldiers and kill others, even members of their own family. Darkness seems to be winning. Evil seems to have triumphed. Corrupt rulers siphoning off millions into secret offshore bank accounts, wars, natural disasters, and so on. The Bible puts it like this. The whole creation is groaning. If that was the end of the story, it would be pretty miserable, wouldn't it? If death was the end of the story, that would be even more miserable. But the whole creation one day, including us as God's people, will be liberated. Paul writes, he will change our weak mortal bodies and make them like his own glorious body. Using that power by which he is able to bring all things under his rule. So new life is now, yes. New life is to come where there's going to be a great liberation in the whole creation. There's going to be, and it's going to include us. Where we're going to be liberated from this decaying body. And be given a glorious new body like Christ himself. The life he brings, and we have it now, is the life of the age to come. There is a deposit. I don't know about you, but even this morning, as we were standing, as we were, and Simon and the team were leading us in worship, I just sensed the Spirit again. You know, what was my week like? Well, I was on holiday this week. I came back on Tuesday. I went to work on Wednesday. I was preparing this. I was stuck in my, well, not stuck, but sitting in my office and, and doing a lot of work. And uh, so in some ways, it was a, a week of two halves. And uh, Simon led the worship this morning. And again, I just felt the spirit, the renewal of the spirit in my heart and in my mind. And I felt the reality of the presence of God. New life is now. We can experience that now. And it's also to come. There's more to come. What we have now is simply a deposit, a guarantee of that which is to come. So that should give us some hope, should it not? And history is not random. Evil may have appeared to triumph, but it hasn't triumphed. Because history is not random. It's heading somewhere. Where's it heading? Well, ultimately, it's heading to fulfill God's purposes. One of those is that Christ will be honored by all. Which I might even say is the primary purpose of where history is heading. That Jesus' name might be glorified. 
that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So that's where we're heading. It's now, but there's more to come. And one of the other things that's going to happen, there's going to be a harmony in the new creation that we don't see now. When we look at the creation, we see lots of disharmony. As I said, disasters going on, famines, all sorts of things that we don't like, let alone the human conflict. But that's going to end. Isaiah paints a beautiful picture where he says, the wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together and a little child will lead them. You know, he paints an image of a dangerous carnivore living in peace with their weak, vulnerable prey and led by an innocent child. That's where the creation is heading. And actually, that's where you and I are heading. God is equipping you and me to live in that new creation. And he's put a deposit within us right now, a deposit of his spirit. And that's where we're heading. So there's new life now. There is new life to come. Sorrow and sadness will be gone. Tears will be wiped away. And we've shed a few, haven't we? And the final enemy, death, will be destroyed. So new life is now. New life is to come. But mind the gap. Mind the gap. You hear that on the tube in London, don't you? Joy and I were in uh, India a few years ago. And I think it was Agra train station, as I've cast my mind back. I don't think it was Delhi. We were in Delhi as well, but I think it was Agra. We'd been to visit the Taj Mahal. We were on our way back to Delhi, and we decided we'd go by train. Turned out to be a bit of a mistake, but never mind. That's another story. And uh, if you've ever been to the train stations in India, they're not like Marlebon or Wickham. For a start, the trains are really, really long. You know, you don't just get two or three carriages. You get 20, 30, 40 carriages. And normally the trains are absolutely packed full of people when they arrive in the station. So you've got hundreds of people spilling out of the train. And you've got hundreds of people on the platform milling around, desperately trying to get on the train before it leaves. And it doesn't stay in the station very long. And when we were there, we noticed that a man there failed to mind the gap. And he fell over. And much to our horror, his leg went between the gap in the platform and the train. And the train began to pull out of the station. And we were just, we weren't close enough to do anything, but we just watched in horror. Fortunately, there were a few people around him who dragged him out from under the train because I could just see his leg getting sliced off. Um, You know, he didn't mind the gap. We need to mind the gap between what we have now and what there is to come. And if we don't mind the gap, then we could well be in trouble. I got chatting with a guy down at the King Center site a couple of weeks ago. Well, it might have been more than that. And uh, he told me he was out of work. And I just said, shall we pray? He said, yep. This was just as we were milling around at the end of the meeting. So prayed with him. I prayed, just asked the Lord to open a door of opportunity for him. And uh, I said, please, can you let me know what happens after, you know? So I saw him a couple of weeks later, and I went up and I said, how are things? He said, I haven't got a job. I 
No interview, nothing. I said, okay. I said, shall we pray again? He said, yeah, it would be great. So we prayed again. I think this happened several times. We just prayed. Anyway, this week, uh, I was out at lunchtime, and I came back to the office, and he was in the foyer waiting to see me. Big smile on his face. And uh, he said, oh, I thought I'd come in to tell you, which is rather nice because often people don't, but he did. He came back, and he said, uh, not only have I got a job, he said, but I was offered two. And I said, oh, that's great. And he proceeded to tell me about the job, and it was in his field of expertise as well in computers. And uh, he was very happy, big smile on his face. But he said something to me, which at, my, at which my ears pricked up. He said, um, but you can't have everything. I said, oh, what do you mean by that? He said, well, part of the downside is I've got to work nights some of the time. And he said, my wife's a nurse, and she also works nights some of the time. So how we'll all fit it in and be able to see one another, I'm not quite sure. You can't have it all. And it made me think about that. You can't have it all. I thought it's so true. In life, there are frustrations. There are disappointments. There are imperfections in the best of our experiences. On a larger scale, there are tragedies. There are hurts. There's pain. There's evil. There's death. You know, you can't have it all. There's a gap between experiencing the new life that we have now and the new life which is to come. When the perfect will finally come. So we live, if you like, in the mind the gap world. You might think, well, I I know that already. It's true. We do know it. But there's a sense that if we can know it at a profounder level, it's really going to help us in our life. There's always going to be frustrations. There will always be difficulties. There will always be obstacles and temptations in the mind the gap world in which we live. And if we don't bear this in mind, when we face these things, we can lose hope. In fact, we can, we can get angry with God and say, it's all your fault. Why are you not doing something about my situation? We're living in the mind the gap world. Where everything is not going to be sorted out. This is where our faith comes in. This is where our trust in the Lord comes in. This is where we need to remind ourselves that actually, where am I standing Am I standing on sinking sands, shifting sands? Am I standing on my emotions? When my emotions are good, then life is fine. Or am I standing on my circumstances? Or am I standing on Christ? See, my circumstances change. They go up and down. They wax and wane. I'm not always on holiday. I've got to work at times. The car won't start. I can't book the tickets on the internet because it's crashed again. You know, little things like that. Or bigger things in life that we face. Illness. Death itself. Where am I standing when I face those issues? Am I standing on my emotions? Am I standing on my circumstances? Or am I standing on the rock that does not move? Am I standing on Christ? You know, we're living in a mind-the-gap world. Where are you standing? When you face these difficult things in life, where are you standing? Are you standing on your emotions? Are you standing on the circumstances of your life? If they're good, you're happy. If they're not so good, you're not happy. Now, I know we're affected by these things. And I'm not saying that we deny them as if they're not happening. You can't deny stuff that's really happening. It's silly. Pretend it's not happening. No. You look it square in the face and you seek to face it. But you seek to face it not alone. But you seek to face it with the truth. And Jesus said, you will know the truth. 
and the truth will set you free. So that's what we seek to do in this mind-the-gap world with the circumstances of life that we'd rather not have. And boy, we face some of those from time to time, don't we? And we want to face them with the truth that Jesus is with us. That he is the rock on which we stand. Immovable, unshakable, indestructible. But not only that, we have that life within us. We have a deposit of that indestructible life. Yes, outwardly, my hair is thinning, the wrinkles are appearing, liver spots might even be appearing nowadays. Yeah, just a few, there you go. That's life, isn't it? But we stand on the rock, which is Christ. We are like clay jars, and we sang that, in which this treasure is stored. But the real power comes from God and not from us. Sometimes we can look at ourselves and say, I'm weak, I'm, I'm just not up to it. I'm not up to it. I, I fail, I, I do my best, and I, I make resolutions every other day, and I don't keep them, and I, I say, I'm going to be better, I'm going to be a better husband, I'm going to be a better son, I'm going to be, you know, and we still fail. We look at ourselves and we can give up. But God's power is shown in our weakness. Now, I've been reading through the book of Judges again recently, and Gideon's a prime example of that. Where the angel of the Lord comes to Gideon, and the Israelites at that time are oppressed by another nation called the Midianites. And the Lord comes to Gideon, and he says, Hail, you mighty man of valor. Wow. And Gideon said, he's baffled. He said, well, my tribe is the least of the tribes in Israel. My family is the least of the families in the tribe. And I'm the least in my family. And God says, yeah, but I'm going to be with you. That's what makes the difference. Maybe you feel like Gideon. Maybe you feel helpless. Maybe you feel weak. Maybe you feel inadequate. But Jesus says, hail you mighty man. Hail you mighty woman of valor. Wow. Is that because of us? No, it's because of his power. What I'm saying is the power of God is with us now. The power of God lives within us. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the power of the resurrection life of Jesus Christ that's already within us. And it's indomitable. It can never be overcome. It can never be defeated. Why? Because it's the very life of Christ himself. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So we have to draw from that truth. We have to believe that truth. Because what we believe affects what we do. What we believe affects how we live. And yes, we're living in the mind the gap world. We've got some of it, but we haven't got all of it. We've new life now, but there's more to come. So now we're faced with the dilemmas of life, the tragedies of life, the temptations of life, the trials of life. It's not going to be simple. Not if I look back on the 40 years I've been a Christian. There are going to be trials, there are going to be difficulties, there are going to be obstacles to overcome in this mind-the-gap world. Well, does that mean then if I'm relying on the power of God... That I can simply let go and let God. I've heard that said. Let, well, let go and let God. It's, it's to do with God. Let go and let God. I find that rather, I don't agree with it for a start. Um, I find it silly. Uh, over the years, I've heard many Christians say, seem to abdicate decision making to God. This is just one example. You know, they'll say, and it sounds spiritual, I'll wait for the Lord to tell me what to do. I don't think that's spiritual at all. I think it's daft. Because uh, God has given us his spirit. He's given us his moral framework. 
He's given us the potential of wise counsel in the church to help us, to enable us to make wise decisions. Um, That's just one example. So I don't believe in let go and let God. So it absolves me of any responsibility. I don't see that at all. Far from absolving us of taking responsibility, Christ's spirit within us enables us, I think, to take responsibility, enables us to make right choices, enables us to overcome the difficulties of life when we ask for his help. Paul says this, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Even in our weakness, the power of God is at work. The light shines where? It shines in the darkness. And the darkness can never overcome it. Are you facing any darkness in your mind, the gap world today? Because the light that Christ has put within you shines in the darkness and it can never be overcome. Not even death is going to overcome the light that Christ has put within you. Is that an amen do I hear? Because it's true. One of the things that I certainly find difficult to cope with in life, I don't know if you do, is unwanted change over which I have no control. Things that change and I've got no control over it and I don't like the change. Let me just give you a simple example of that that happened to us uh, a year or so ago. Uh, we were on our way, Joy and I and uh, Joy's parents were on our way to our son Steve's wedding in Nottingham. And we, it was half an hour before the wedding ceremony. So we were all dressed in our finest and driving to the wedding. We'd just left the hotel. In fact, I think it might have been even 25 minutes before the ceremony was due to begin. I was driving along the main road. Uh, the traffic lights were green. I was minding my own business. And this car comes out of a side road. And I think, surely he's not going to come out of that side road because I'm on the main road. Surely not. No, he's not going to, is he? He's not. He's not. But he does. Not only that, but he rams into the side of our car. It was an unwanted change that I didn't want, that I didn't have any control over. And, And sometimes in life, we find that unwanted changes come that we've got no control over. It's because we're living in the mind, the gap world. But someone does have control over them. Jesus has control over everything. Do you believe that? Martha and Mary were faced with a tragic situation. Lazarus in a tomb had been there three days. And Jesus comes into this situation that looks utterly hopeless, utterly out of control. It's an unwanted change that they certainly didn't want. But Jesus comes as I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live. And even if they die, they will live again. So I want to encourage you through any disappointments, any discouragements you may have had. By reminding you that the power of God is within you. Sometimes it's just a quiet power. Not showy. Often Jesus, when he did miracles, he wasn't showy about it. He would sometimes just take people off quietly where there was no one else. And do something powerful in their life. Miraculous in their life. And it's the same Jesus today. So it's not always fireworks and great explosions when the spirit is at work. But it can be just his quiet strength coming into us. In Beethoven's opera, 
Fidelio, the prisoners have to go back to their cells. But as those who've experienced the resurrection power of Jesus in our lives, there's an even greater freedom coming. Amen. You who revere my name, Malachi says, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings and you will go out and leap like calves released from the stall. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? He was very good at asking pertinent questions. Do you believe this? Uh, So I want to ask you a couple. If you don't, perhaps you do, I don't know. If you don't, I would encourage you to experience the amazing new life Jesus came to give. It's only a prayer away. And if you do know that resurrection life, I'd invite you to see afresh what you have and to mind the gap between the new life that you have now and the new life that is yet to come. Amen. I'm just going to pray now. I'd like to pray for both sets of people. Perhaps there's someone here who doesn't yet know Jesus as Lord and Savior. I'd like to pray with you. And those who do, I'd like to pray with you as well. You don't need to do anything except say amen if you agree with what I'm saying. So Lord, let me pray for those who perhaps don't know you yet, Lord, or maybe they're seeking. I want to pray for those people, Lord. I want to pray, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to these dear people. I pray, Lord, that as you did to me and I didn't deserve it when I was a young man, You just came and you revealed yourself to me and it was unearned. Will you do that now, I pray, Father? Reveal yourself. Reveal the fact that you are the resurrection and the life and that new life is had now. And you're only a prayer away to invite you and the reality of who you are into our lives. So we want to do that again, Lord. I want to say, Jesus... In my unknowing, I pray that you will reveal yourself to me. Amen. I want to pray for us who do know Jesus as Lord and Savior. What you believe affects what you do. It affects how you feel often as well. I'm the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Jesus says. Do you believe that I'm with you now? Do you believe that my life is within you? Do you believe that I'll never let you go? Do you believe that you can never be overcome? Do you believe that my power is at work in you? Do you believe that I love you? So Lord Jesus, we, in our weakness, we often feel like Gideon. Who am I? I'm the least. I'm the least. But you seem to delight in taking the least and revealing your power in the least. And we want to commit ourselves to you again, Lord Jesus. We want to say, let your power be seen in us. In this mind-the-gap world, with all the things that we face that we'd rather not face, all the unwanted changes... I pray for us, Lord Jesus, that we would experience again 
And again, the living water that you have placed within us, the resurrection life that you have placed within us, keep coming, Lord, and keep strengthening us and keep influencing us. And I ask for that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Bless you.